Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Welcome to Down with D&D. I'm Sean Merwin, and today our guest host is an amazing D&D mind and one of the most entertaining players I've ever shared a table with, Celeste Conowich. Celeste, thank you so much for coming online to talk today. Oh, hell, heck yeah. Whoops. Oh, heck yeah. No, I'm, I'm super excited to be here and uh, glad to be hanging out with you again, yeah. Sean. This is awesome. We've uh, We've... <laughs> only met in person a couple of times but Mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time talking recently yes uh, for various projects so i was super excited to have you on the show and so when i first heard about you it was your live stream show venture maidens Mm. and you even got interviewed at dragon talk a couple years ago i did yeah but but since then you've started publishing material as well uh you've contributed to products on the dm's guild like villains and layers like two three four eight twelve Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) taverns (laughs) yep taverns inns and tap rooms in hell Mm -hmm. our favorite place to go to yes of course taverns inns and tap rooms especially since we can't you really Uh, need a drink when you're down there yes uh beyond the basics and the 12 days of midwinter and you're also involved in a kickstarter that's happening right now called the ultimate guide to hair uh-huh. a supplement to die for and of yes. course die is spelled d-y-e oh, of uh, so my first question i have to ask yeah. hair really oh yes i know i love this question because when i tell people what this kickstart is about it they're they're like what but stick with me because okay. hair is like a ubiquitous thing, right? Especially in fantasy, you know, we always picture these people with gorgeous, like long flowing locks and like just interesting character definitions through mm-hmm. hair. So it mm-hmm. seemed like kind of a natural step to give hair all these magic and fantastical qualities for Dungeons and Dragons. True. I mean, uh, you've got Rumpelstiltskin, right? You have. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, all- you fairy tales but then also like just like you know you also have like awesome action movies where like monks attach razor blades to their braids and like attack people there's like so much of the stuff uh in in (laughs) in pop culture true so i have to ask for those of us who are follicularly challenged let's say yes uh can can we still buy this book and still feel good about ourselves oh yeah absolutely in fact we have a bunch of i mean so this book covers like new magic items new subclasses new spells like really everything there's a ton of monsters in there as well uh but we've also introduced some new deities to the book including a deity of baldness which is so it's a whole pantheon and cleric based on you know meticulously keeping yourself clean shaven or without hair excellent Uh, yeah so we've really covered all ends of the spectrum i I, I now have a new deity to worship there you go (laughs) write that down now now that you mention it there there was a monster in older editions called the corred k-o-r-r-e-d Ooh, yes. That had like an attack with his hair, and I just it, that just came they, to mind. They did the Corrid in uh, Volo's guide. Okay, cool. That's yeah. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. So that's that's <laughs> the, in there. The really cool fake creature. That's very. Yeah. They're sort of like a like the Tangela Pokemon. If yeah. You're familiar with it? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? Oh yeah, we had um we had a test game we did the other day, and I I made something called a Rapunzelite. 
demon mm-hmm. uh, where basically they open up a chest cavity and they have like a braid that they you know weave together of the the hair of their victims that grows uh, ever longer the more people they kill and then they oh. wield it as a weapon it's i mean at first it sounds like a very silly idea and there totally is silly stuff in this book but mm-hmm. it's also like it really does cover a huge range of things it's amazing what you can do with hair <laughs> Okay. Well, that Kickstarter will still be going on when this airs, so listeners, go yeah. check that out on, on Kickstarter. Until April Again, 10th. That's right. So it's the ultimate guide to hair. So I want to talk to you a little bit just about uh, your history with D&D. I ask all my co-hosts this. Uh, you know, when did you start? Why do you keep playing? What do you love so much about role-playing games and D&D? Uh, so give us a little bit of that history, if you would. Yeah, so I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for 15 years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, the first time when I started playing, it was because I discovered a box of stuff that my dad had like left in the garage, and it was a ton of his old AD&D books mm-hmm. and like notebooks and character sheets, and immediately when I found it, I was like, wow, this is... Oh my god, what is this? Um, And at the time, I really didn't have anyone else in my life who played games or anything, so I started running them for my friends, like, at Mm -hmm. school. And it's always, you know, taken off from them. Since 15 years ago, I've been the perpetual DM, Mm -hmm. always organizing (laughs) campaigns for my friends. Um, And then in the last, so four years ago, I started uh, Venture Maidens, which Mm -hmm. is an actual play D&D podcast. Um, And that was, like, right at the time when... I don't know, we were all, like, figuring out that podcasts were a cool thing and that you could play games with them. I think, so Venture Maiden started, like, I think two weeks into, like, the Adventure Zone when I heard that for the first time, and I was like, oh, my gosh, whoa, like, people will listen to us playing Dungeons & Dragons. And then my second thought was, wow, I wish there were voices that sounded like mine, you know, femme voices playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, So I I went and made Venture Maidens. Mm -hmm. And then I guess in the last year, I've started getting into writing Dungeons Mm -hmm. and Dragons. And it's been been a whirlwind. I've like published over, you know, 15 things uh, just in the last six months uh, and ever growing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's sort of my my story. Yeah. So when, uh, when you start, when you decided to start the Adventure Maidens, uh, was this a group that you've already played with, or did you build it specifically to for the stream? Yeah, so I was really lucky. I mean, all the Venture Maidens, I, I had taught them how to play D&D at various points over the last few years. Okay. So um, Nassim, who's one of my players, I've known her for over 12 years. Um, we actually met in high school. Um, so, you know, I, and all of the, the maidens have been friends, like through my life like that. Um, and then when I wanted to start Venture Maidens, we had all like kind of moved away. So we all lived, you know, all over the U S and I was like, man, well, I really want to keep playing with everybody. How can I do that? And I was like, ah, yes, we can, we can live stream our games. We can use, you know, conferencing software and we can make a podcast and we can still play together, even though we live very far apart. Right. So when uh, when you decided to, to do this, uh, how much of your non gaming life did you have to bring to bear to do you know to the technology, the planning, the marketing, all of that stuff? Oh yeah, um, I we just we dove in feet just into that pool right away. Uh, I don't I don't think any of us expected exactly how much work it would take or mm-hmm. what exactly that would look like. 
the learning curve to, to get started was very, very large because, you know, four years ago, people didn't just have a microphone casually around. We were, you know, trying to figure out how to use headsets and like, you know, using Google Hangouts and just trying to make it all work and like trying to edit and record and then like edit locally. And it was yeah. I, it was a very steep learning curve that took up a lot of my evenings, Okay, <laughs> especially in the beginning. Right. So you, so you didn't, you weren't like a video technician or an audio technician to start with. This none of us knew up. anything about microphones. I don't think any of us had ever done a video conference before. Oh, wow. um, we, you know, we had like IM. That was like the extent of like online communication. I remember. I mean, I got onto things like like Twitter and you know Instagram and all that because of Venture Maidens. I I wasn't exactly a social yeah. media savant or anything <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so then you've made this transition now from from doing the show to to writing. Yeah. Um, when when you started the show, did you first of all think people are actually going to watch this? You know, I I did. I always knew that what what we had was special and interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that time, I, I believe I mean, if we weren't the first all-female uh, and non-binary D&D actual play podcast, then we were definitely one of the first. Right. Um, which already I was like, oh, man, like this this market of people who – because D&D can be – not so much in recent years, but it has traditionally been hard for new people to approach, um, mostly right. because like the archetype of who used to play Dungeons & Dragons was very sure. much – white old guys or white mean guys um, or yeah. creepy guys. Yeah. Um, so when we started Venture Manus, I was like, yes, I, I already know like this is going to have an audience of people who just want like to hear women and non-binary folks who, who play games and like right. do it in a fun and cool way. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew we had something special. And then the fact that we had all like already been so close um, and I did get to, you know, hand select of the friends I have made along the way and play Dungeons right. and Dragons with. I was like, you know, who's going to be an amazing team? Yeah. These people. And I got them together and it was just session one. It was magic. And, right. yeah. and I mean, I've I've now you've DM for me online. I know. For, oh my for, gosh! For the charity. first time that happened, I was so scared, Sean. I was like, I was like, what? Sean Mormon's gonna be in my game? Oh like, yes, because I'm, uh... I'm, I'm terrifying and intimidating. I, um, yeah. <laughs> and then we also played at two years ago at PAX Unplugged. We sat yes. and played a game. Jeff Stormer ran. Yes. Uh, I forgot the game where you play. Uh, it was kind of like a corporate. It's yeah, like corporate spies, like spies. after a mission that's gone wrong. Right. And so you're telling the story of the mission that's gone wrong to your corporate bosses who are like all interested in budget and you know, yeah. why did you spend all this money? And you're kind of trying to throw each other under the bus a little oh, yeah? bit because someone is going to die <laughs> at the at the end a, of this. Was, yeah. And it so was much so fun. much fun. Uh you and Lisa Chen kind <laughs> of going back and forth with each other being a little snippy toward each other oh yeah was so it was that so was funny the first time we met in real life but we had yes. already signed a lease to live together the following I, month so yes. that was like our first in-person interaction was this snippy right. us like throwing each other under the spy boss game and i was uh -huh. like 
this is gonna work. <laughs> this is gonna work out well. That's I mean that's like, that that shows you our industry in a nutshell, right? Yeah. It's, you're okay. signing up to live with this person who you've never met in person. Yep. Uh, the first time you meet them, you are like going at it tooth and claw. Yeah, in uh, an RPG in this, game. In this RPG game. <laughs> yeah. It was it was an amazing experience. <sighs> And uh, and since then, we've actually had a chance to work together on yes. a D and D project, uh, which was kind of kiboshed a bit uh, thanks to the coronavirus outbreak. Oh uh, we worked on a, a competitive event set in the Eberron world called a Blinking Light with pre-generated characters, and you play through this story. Uh, it it probably will not be premiering at GaryCon because GaryCon is no longer happening, although a virtual version is. And you can go to Gary Khan's website and look at that, folks. But so I, I got a chance to work with Celeste, and just the the great creativity that I saw you DMing and playing with carried through to your writing. Um, and and I want to know, you know, how how did you feel that transition went from you know being a DM for many years mm-hmm. to now having to be the the person who's work is going to be read and used by others. Um, Did you feel that was a natural progression for you or did you, did you have to fight it at all? You know, for me, like, I guess it it felt very mixed, mixed results. Um, So at first it felt very natural for me to step into writing adventures. Like, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for 15 years. You know, every, every session is its own little mini arc adventure story packet cool so the ideas were automatically there for me when i when i started picking up projects and everything the steep learning curve came with learning the rules and the style of writing um for dungeons and dragons because those things are very different than like creative writing or mm-hmm. writing for novels um and i so i got real I got real hard smack in the face, like when I started and I ran it. I'm like, here's this great, you know, here's my pitch. And people are like, awesome. And then I'm like, here's my first draft. And they're like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like red pen everywhere. And I was like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, so, but luckily, like, I did get, you know, that those first bits of feedback were so helpful for me because you know they they were brutal and it was exactly what i needed to like oh wow um this is a whole whole world i'm stepping into uh that there's so much more than just like the creativity uh aspect of it yeah it's it is strange i had a master's degree in english and creative writing so i thought this is is natural and then you turn in that first thing especially to someone like chris perkins right oh my gosh or some of those the coast people (laughs) the master red pen wielder exactly exactly and you know some of the editors over there over the years and you turn in your first thing and you get it back and you're like maybe i'm not as good as i thought i was (laughs) but but it is it's it's a process right the first time no matter what you do you're gonna you have to go at it methodically and slowly yep. you have to learn the things that you thought you knew but you have to unlearn a lot uh, oh yeah and and relearn a lot Ooh, about yeah. writing in this style and, and that's just for adventures right if you talk about designing monsters if you talk about oh, writing yeah. rules that's even a whole there's so many other... moving pieces and then what's what's wild is that you know the industry is exploding so so many more people are involved in Every single company or every single person I've worked with has a radically different process of how things need to go and how they need to get done. So a huge part of like learning to be a writer is also learning how to learn what everyone else is doing. Right. Sure. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, and even, you know, I, I like to think from company to company, like you said, they have different styles or different mm-hmm. things. If you work with Cobalt Press, yeah. you're going to get a little bit different feedback than if you, you know, write for another third party or for Wizards or whoever. Oh, yeah. So it's it's never, you're never done. You're never perfect yeah. you've never it. made it you're, you're yes. never the perfect writer you're always right. <laughs> there's always more to learn uh which is very exciting i mean for for someone like me you know i i need those constant like challenges and exciting learning opportunities and writing dungeons and dragons is absolutely it because every single adventure is a whole new set of challenges or every single project um so i i love it um i guess maybe that actually feeds into why I love DMing, um, because it's always, you know, your players are hitting you with these new things right and left, and your stories are evolving and changing, and it's fast, and it's fun, and it's creative. Um, So so maybe that's, maybe it all feeds into each other, Sean. True, it's true. And, you know, different players, just like different companies want different things, different players want different things. And even even within a, a stable group, you play with the same five or six people week after week after week. Each of them is different, so they keep you on your toes in different ways. Oh yeah. And you know, God forbid you go out and you run a game in public, you know, or run <laughs> like run yeah. five or six times at a convention. Now you've got five or six different groups of five or six different players mm-hmm. who all want something different. And it doesn't take long to realize that uh, there are probably areas you are strong in as a DM or as a writer uh, <laughs> yep. and areas that you need to improve in. Yeah, need some improvement. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I brought you on the show to talk about as our yes. main topic is DMing for online versus face-to-face. Mm, a very relevant topic right yes. now. Since we are in the grip of this pandemic uh, and people are coming out of the woodwork saying, how do I play online? What tools should I use? Who can DM? How do I do this? Um, I wanted to talk with someone with experience running online games. Yeah. I, I am definitely not that person. Um, so I wanted to get some insight on how we DMs who have never done it might get started. So, Celeste, I'm not calling on you to save the <laughs> RPG world now. Oh, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm stepping up. Uh, okay. <laughs> so is, the, is there any you know kind of overall... Uh, you know, uh, information, insight that you could give DMs about how to how to make this work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that DMing online versus DMing in person um, is not as scary as you think it might be. Um, I know it makes a lot of people nervous when they are like, oh, no, I already have to worry about planning a game and, like, doing this, and then now I have to press buttons and just a whole – it's a whole thing. Um, but but it can be really easy and super streamlined. I promise if you start, you'll get used to it very, very quickly. Oh. Um, and the, I mean, really the first thing to remember is just, like, if you have good communication, everything will be fine. Which is sort of the same as in person, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so you know, if you if you start out and you have your communication software on lock, um, really the rest will naturally follow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I've no. That's one of the things. If I talk about DMing in person with people, I'm. It's it's more than it's communication, but it's even more. It's it's managing others, right? Mm, yeah. It's yeah. You know, I will sit at a table, and the, if the DM it's just kind of sitting back and waiting for people to talk. Mm. There's this uneasiness yeah. you know, in a face-to-face game. So just as a DM, just looking people in the eye and saying, 
hi, how are you? Yeah. Just establishing that, I, you know, I am the person who you can come to 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 play this game, and I, I am in control here. Yep. Everything's okay. Even if you're not, yeah. if you pretend you are, yes. that's People half the battle. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, that makes perfect sense, then, that doing it online would be very similar. And you may have to – you might not be able to look someone in the eye as much. Um, but using whatever those tools are that you're using to communicate to be the strong presenter, I, you know, is is a great a great opening tip for sure. Yeah, I mean, and what's what's really great is that like webcams and microphones have come a long way. So you know, you don't have to break the bank to get something where like you know, you all call in with your webcams and you can all look at each other in the face. Like you do get really used to it. Um, you know, when you have your big screen up and everybody in the call around, it's very similar to sitting around a table. Um, and you know, without breaking the bank, you can get a great fifteen dollar webcam and you know, sit there and. And look at everybody. Um, and then, yeah, with with microphones, too. I mean, bless the snowball microphone. Like, yeah. you know, that, that brings sound to everyone. And it is a completely fine option. And, again, you can get those for, like, around 20 30 bucks, or just even use your headset mic. Uh, chances are that you have something in your house right now that could uh, serve as a webcam or a microphone. Yeah. That would be perfectly fine awesome. to play with. Yeah. Okay, so in in terms of tools for for delivering this experience, yeah, uh, what what do you think DM should get familiar with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first off, you got to get your communication software, whatever that is. I really like using Zoom, um, mm -hmm. just because it you know it covers everything I need. It has built-in recording capabilities, um, but that does cost sort of a monthly fee. Uh, there are tons of great free options out there, though, like um, Discord. If you all haven't heard of Discord as a program, that is a, a phenomenal way to get started. Um, it's, it's sort of like a, I guess, like a blog forum sort of mm -hmm. chat room software. Um, and included with that, they have great video chat uh, okay. options. So people can just call in and then you can also have a chat going at the same time while you're playing. Okay. Um, also for Discord, you can jump into different like community servers. Um, so like every actual play podcast and, you know, live stream probably has a Discord server. And what's great about that is those servers are full of people who, A, want to play Dungeons and Dragons uh, if you need a group. And then B, people who are so helpful and kind if you run into any trouble or need suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, so learning your software is like that. Uh, and then, of course, getting something uh, going where you can chat with your players outside of the game to mm -hmm. coordinate scheduling and stuff. Um, like I, the venture maintenance use WhatsApp, okay. which is an app on your phone that you know, if, as long as you have Wi-Fi, you can text each other. Um, so sure. it doesn't cost money. You can talk to people internationally. Um, you can have group chats that work via Apple or you know Android, whatever. Um, so start with your. Start with your communication tools, right. uh, step one. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you run games online, you know, people talk about Fantasy Grounds or Roll20 and those kind of sort of tabletop things. Do you, do you use those or do you keep it more uh, more talky rather than more fiddly with, with things? Yeah. So I personally, I use Theater of the Mind um, mm -hmm. when we play, which means that we don't really use any virtual tabletops or anything. Um, okay. But I have a lot of friends who do use virtual tabletops, and they absolutely love those. Um, mm -hmm. It really does depend on the kind of group you're playing mm -hmm. with um, and also what kind of DM you are. Because mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're big on prep, 
beforehand and you love making, you know, battle grids and maps and stuff, um, using something like Roll20 or like Astral Tabletop uh, is a great way to, you know, build those great encounter maps. Um, mm -hmm. There is going to be a learning curve uh, when teaching things like that to your players. Right. So just keep in mind if they're the type of party that would be excited by learning new tools like that or if they would think, you know, be a little bit scared. Uh, by that yeah. but there are some really phenomenal options out there if yep. you want to include a virtual tabletop space yep when you dm normally one of the advices that you get one of the pieces of advice you get is uh give your players tasks mm -hmm. right you, you be the person that keeps treasure yeah. you be the one that brings Initiative the food counter, right yeah. but whatever this is just one more thing you can have your players do That's especially true. someone who is super into tech Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, hey, Jan, you are going to be the one that teaches us how to use Roll20. Yeah. Or you're the yeah. one that teaches us. And you know, find the person who's most uh, most into that oh, yeah. and the best teacher of that and turn them loose on, on that problem. And then, then you can, uh, you know, there's still a learning curve, but you're more able to focus on the other parts and, and be taught rather than have to teach yeah. uh, that, that stuff. Yeah, I would also say, uh, while talking about virtual tools, I mean, D&D Beyond is a phenomenal resource yes. um, for online. Um, what what my group really likes about D&D Beyond is that they can, you know, sh look at each other's character sheets and, like, mm -hmm. share what's going on, and they can just share information and have everything right there when we play. So, because you're already going to be, you know, sitting at your desk with a microphone in your face, with a webcam in your face. So balancing a bunch of books on top of that may right. not work with your space constraints which is definitely my situation so yeah. like having the books available on D, &D beyond um especially when i'm dming you know i can have all my monsters already open in tabs um yep. it really streams line streamlines the experience yeah uh, for me yep and i mean as as long as one person uh, usually the dm is has a subscription then you can create a campaign yeah and if you create a campaign players even if they don't have the books if you have the books as the dm then they have they access have to those same book same yeah, books which, yeah so i mean yeah Man shares a big account you know and they they all have their character sheets in our account and like it's all stored in one place um and again what's great is like they have a ton of stuff up there for free so even if you don't pay for anything you have access to everything in the basic rules yep um which is just great or you can just buy you know piecemeal adventures uh, mm -hmm. So if you want to do something like, you know, the new Dragon of Ice, but I Spire Peak Adventure, you can just right. buy that. Yep. Um, and then you have everything you need to run through that adventure already True. to go. Yep. And yeah. if, if you as the DM, you know, feel like splurging or take up a collection and get one of those big full subscription things, oh, yeah. then basically your players have access to pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I love There are so many online groups that they, they pool together, you know, and yeah. they'll split the costs of one of those, the, the oh, legendary yeah. bundle or whatever. And then everybody right. is like, yay, this is our like D&D account. Right, our little library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's super fun. It is. Yeah. So would you say that um, – most people who are used to face-to-face -face games might say, well, you know, online is okay, but I don't. Are there any ways in which online games might actually be superior to face-to-face -face games? Yeah, I mean, I I love I love playing online um, for a few reasons. Uh, one, you just save a ton of money not having to travel around so much um even you know even if your friends are far away like you can all get together and it's great you can set up like we're gonna play for two hours 
on Saturday, you know, five to seven, cool. That way you can actually do those two hours. So, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to spend 30 minutes driving somewhere else, which makes it super, super easy for people. You know, if it's really, you have really intense jobs or, you know, your, your kids are home with you or, mm -hmm. you know, you just had a baby or it's like a, just a wild time in your life. Like having that like little sacred window of time and really being able to stick to it is just, mm -hmm. it's totally a godsend um, mm -hmm. for, for busy folks. So. Yeah. That's that's a huge advantage, uh, sure. and then and then of course getting to play with you know people all over the country or the world. Um, I mean, I've I've had the privilege, you know, I got to play with you, Sean, online. That's that true. never would have happened. We live, you know, all the right. way across <laughs> across the country. U.S. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's I mean, what's phenomenal is that there are so many people out there who want to play Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons, um, and the fact that you're online and that you can play online with these people just wildly opens up uh all your opportunities for gaming because like you know sometimes groups have to you know put on pause for two three months or you know maybe you want more than just a monthly game of D D. online role-playing like actually lets you play as much as you want because there are tons you know people just you can build groups from all over the place um so yeah. it just really opens up the inclusivity yeah. of the hobby true the few times I've played online, one of the things I liked was the ability to talk to just one player yeah. without talking to the other players. Yeah. Um, it's it's always that awkward if, you know, somebody makes the intelligence check to know the history, but they're in a separate room. And I just rather than you know, having to leave the room or pass notes, yeah. just opening a little private chat and mm -hmm. say, OK, by the way, you yeah. know, this Here's your secret. Yeah, it, it, it makes it a little more realistic oh, yeah. you know, in, in terms of the story that's going on. I've, I've always liked that uh, that playing online uh, yeah. aspect. Oh yeah, yeah. The you know the whispers and little messages and stuff. You know, you you don't have to right. fold your piece of paper and slide it to your DM with the secret yeah. thing you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's Very totally true. true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about DMs and you know how how to go about DMing online. What are some things that players can do uh, to help their DM and the other players with this experience? Yeah, I think you know. One of the temptations that people worry about is like, oh, no, if you're playing online, you're already at your computer and maybe, you know, you'll check out and like look at Twitter or look at Facebook while you're playing. Um, I think as a player, you can, you know, really try and respect the time that you you have built into it and really do act as if like these people are sitting around the table with your friends and not like pulling up other tabs and getting distracted, um, especially when you start out, you know, because you got to help your DM build confidence too because it is it is sort of a weird thing to get mm -hmm. used to and and like you said sean you know volunteering to take on some of the responsibilities of it so like maybe there's one player who sends out you know your zoom meeting link every mm -hmm. week or whatever um right and then just having really open communication about like when you can be there when you can't be there really making sure you stick to your schedule and commit to that um mm -hmm. Because people are very scared of getting, like, ghosted or people not showing yeah. up. So, you know, showing up and having a great attitude is just the number one thing players can mm -hmm. do to help. Um, and then also getting very friendly with your mute button <laughs> is very important. So, Because if you're going to be eating chips or you're going to be drinking, <laughs> you know, beer, mute your microphone because no one wants to hear it. <laughs> 
I am writing that down. Yes. Get yeah. very friendly with your mute button. Um, all softwares ever are, make it very great. They're like, just mute it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's something about hearing slurping over a microphone that's just so much worse than hearing it. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, As someone who edits podcasts, please yeah, trust say. me. <laughs> I definitely believe that. Oh, so it's funny because I... You know, I you think about people who who talk about um, getting a campaign started, and one thing they always preach is have a session zero, mm. where you create characters, where you talk about what kind of campaign you want, any house rules you might want to use, you know, limits on things like violence or, or sexuality or, mm-hmm. or things that that you don't do or don't want in the game. Um, you could roll learning the software right into that session zero. Oh, yeah. Rather than trying to play the first slot uh, right away, take that time so you're not ruining an experience by having technical issues. Yeah. You're not ruining the game. You're, you're, you're working through a, a session zero uh, as part of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so great. And then most of the time people are just really excited to you know get to learn this new skill um, because, you know, learning how to how to call in for a Dungeons & Dragons game opens up, like, you know, you can learn how to call in with your other friends or, you know, learn a ton of stuff. I mean, it honestly, once you open the door to, like, online gaming, it's just this whole wide world. You're like, oh, man, maybe I can stream video games online. Maybe, like, I, I understand now how to participate in these cool, like, live stream chats. Like, I understand what people are doing. Um, it's usually just a very exciting experience yeah but giving the time and space to let people learn how to do it um is great okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question i hope hopefully you have a good answer for this okay oh no um say say (laughs) well what if you don't i'm sure you can make something up well it's i didn't prepare you for this question but it just popped in my head because you were talking about streaming your your stuff oh yeah and you know if you're just a dm and you have players and you want to do your own thing and that's perfect Say you do want to stream, mm-hmm. um, how would you go about? Not on the technical side, because that's a whole other that's a whole other episode. Can of worms. Yeah. But <laughs> choosing the players mm-hmm. that that you would want, how would you go about that? What sort of things should should uh, you be thinking about if you if you were thinking in that uh, area? Sure. Yeah. Um, so actually, I talk about this a lot. I run, um, I write a blog series over on Kobold Press that's uh, all about the audience and beyond, uh, which is all about like how to stream and like podcast games, um, to how to improve that generally uh, in all aspects. Um, but yeah, choosing your players is probably the single most important part of if you do want to stream or make a podcast. You know, put put your game on display. Um, the number one thing you need for your players, the number one thing you need to look for before anything else, is that they're responsible and that they will show up. Number one. Okay, I've just checked <laughs> all my people off. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't. Don't start with, oh my god, this person is like so funny. They should be on my podcast. Um, no, uh, the people who are the best for podcasts are the ones who will be there at your every other week recording, who will help you. Uh, with the project who believe in the project and who understand, you know, the responsibilities Mm -hmm. of performing uh, in front of other people. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are going to be the players you want in your game. And if you can get a party of all people like that, then 
you're already so far ahead of mm -hmm. other streams and podcasts um, <laughs> out there. So the people who believe in the work, who will do the work, uh, and who will love the work, uh, mm -hmm. number one. Um, and then number two is people who get along. Uh, right. You know, there are a lot of different personality types in this world. Um, mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that your group can grow into some a party of people who trust each other, um, who trust each other enough to have those vulnerable role-playing moments, or you know, if they if they like need to pause and ask questions, um, like having a group that will be able to do that and support each other. Um, that's that's your number two priority. Okay. So people who can do that together, who can be a team, because mm -hmm. um, you know, again, it's 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 very tempting to fill you know your cast with like all-star players or like you know right. people who are just so like funny or they're famous online or whatever um but the thing is like that's not the most important thing that the team right. is the important thing um you know yeah. i think i think a lot of people at the end of the day dungeons and dragons is is cooperative storytelling um you're right. making a thing together and having one strong or like leading person um just isn't isn't going to work for this format. Right. right. And and you want consistency. Yeah. I would say, you know, you yeah. do want the same people. You don't want to be rotating people in and out every other show. No. Because <laughs> or it's... if you do, you need a core group of people who right. can absolutely like work with, you know, guest players who come in okay. or whatever, but you do need that core rock group um that will really be the heart of your show. Mm -hmm. Is is there a is there a best practices? I'm going into my software background here for uh, for like how often to put a show out or uh, yeah, you know, a schedule is is once a week too much? Is once every two months too little? Or, or is it does it be, yeah. go, you know go from one to the other on what's best? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, you know, it definitely depends on your group. Like, if you have a group that can, like, play every week and you have somebody who can edit that podcast and get it out every week and you are comfortable doing that, that's awesome. Um, but I generally find that, you know, if, if you're someone like me who has had a full-time job the majority of the time I've done Venture Maidens um, and then also doing editing and running the game on the side, um, publishing something every other week it's generally what works mm -hmm. um, for people because weekly I, I've seen a lot of shows they start they're like every Friday new episode um, and that drops off very quickly all, all right. the time and goes yeah. to every other week <laughs> <laughs> inevitably so that that seems to be the cycle that fits most people's lives at this yeah, point. Because, yeah because you know even after like it, it's you know you got to remember there's so much background work that goes in it's mm -hmm. like your dungeon master has to write the games uh, and then you have to like get together and actually play at this certain time and then after that you have to hand off the the audio to to an editor or luckily for streaming it's a little bit lighter on mm -hmm. those duties so like doing a weekly game is more feasible than doing like a podcast mm -hmm. um but yeah there's a lot of background work and you know you always want this to be a joy because um, the minute it becomes like a, a stressful, horrible, like other job, um, you'll quickly find that it will unravel and your group won't want to get together. And all yeah. of a sudden you're not playing this game anymore. Yeah, it's true. So so in terms of the content of your adventure that you're running online, and you can answer this either for if you're going to stream or even just for DMs running for a group. Yeah. Is there is there anything to 
is there anything you should like avoid or is there anything that you should highlight that makes it better when you're running an online game? Sure. I think the the main thing I always advise people on is like whatever your show is, whatever your brand is, really know what that is, decide what it is and commit to it. So mm. there's not one thing in particular that I would recommend like, you know, like a combat heavy game or a dungeon heavy game or whatever. Um, mm. Generally, there's no answer, but whatever it is for your group, decide what that is and then mm. be clear about it and always deliver that. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to make a, like, a crunchy show that's all about kicking down doors and fighting monsters episode after episode in these giant dungeons, that's awesome. Like, there will be an audience for that. Just mm -hmm. make sure you stick to that. Or, likewise, if you want to do, you know, a family-friendly game that's all about, like, role-playing and, you know, not using combat to solve challenges, right. you know, decide that, commit to that, and then all of your branding should reflect that. Okay. Yeah. So so it's it's more about consistency than it is about any particular style or any particular theme. Yeah. Um and okay. I mean what's great is like there are so many people that that are hungry for this content. You will have an audience for whatever whatever mm. your your thing is. Uh there will probably be people out there who who want to know what that is. Um but you know in this time in the world there are a lot of streams and podcasts out there. Um so how you set yourself apart is by having your thing. Mm. And, you know, very clearly uh, playing to your thing. Sure. Awesome. So is there any other advice or any other thoughts you have on this whole DMing online topic? Yeah. I mean, I, I always say, like, you know, a lot of people feel lonely and isolated right now. Um, and uh, but probably a bunch of people are listening to this going like, oh, man, but I don't really I don't have a D&D &D group. So like what? Mm -hmm. there are people out there who want to play games with you. Get out there, get on Twitter, get on social media, get into discord servers. Almost every discord server has like a looking for a group um, section where people just want to put games together. And the thing is, too, like if you want to play Dungeons and Dragons, but you don't have anyone to play with, learn how to DM. And then I promise you. Mm -hmm. There will be people who want to come <laughs> and play. You your will games. be the most popular yeah. kid in the schoolyard, no there, doubt. There is a shortage of DMs out there um, <laughs> in this world, and the thing is, like DMing is really, really exciting, and it feels scary. But like anything else in the world, you've got to do it a couple times um, mm -hmm. before you know you feel like you get the hang of it. Um, nice. But you know, now is the perfect time to like pick up the Dungeon Master's Guide. You know, read read about what the experience is like or you know watch a couple shows um online and and see how they go about it um and then take what you like throw away what you don't um and build something for yourself awesome well i think that is a perfect uh way to end that that segment and i will put links in our show notes to uh the audience beyond on cobalt press as well as to some of the other links with Celeste's stuff. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for coming on, and thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Um, I want to thank our listeners who are uh, supporting us via Patreon. Um, if you want to help out, you can go to patreon.com slash MMP. You, even for just a dollar, you can help us with our hosting costs, and we do send extra content to our supporters. Uh, or if you just want to talk about us, Online, you know, we appreciate Down with D&D appreciates you uh, saying that you listen to the show. Talk about us on social media and we love you for it. 
Celeste, where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so the best place to see what I'm doing right now uh, is to follow me on Twitter, at CConowich, um, or... Yeah, that's probably the best place. But if you want to see the the whole catalog of my work, everything I'm doing, all the podcasts and streams I'm involved in, you can check out celesteconowich.com. And, of course, keep your eye out on the DMs Guild. Um, I'm one of your guild adepts for this year, and a bunch of stuff is coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned, friends. Yes. I know Celeste is working on a lot of things that we couldn't talk about. I know. (laughs) I would start to ask. I'm like, wait, I can't talk Uh, about that. How about no? I can't talk about that either. Let's just say it's so, going to be a very exciting year. <laughs> yes, it will be. I'm looking forward to all the stuff that you're working on, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. Download D and D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, hey Celeste, uh, what are we going to do now? Go kill some monsters online. Woo! You done with D and D? You're the best! <laughs> <laughs>